Holly G with the Golf Insiders for this edition of For Your Game. We have in the house today our favorite teacher, author, speaker, Hall of Fame instructor. Yes, the one, the only LPGA top 50 teacher in America. The one, the only Kay McMahon. Hello, Kay. Good morning, Holly. It's a great day to sunshine, and it's a good day to play golf. So thanks for having me again. You have, over your 30 years of teaching, developed Golf 8.5, which are the simple steps to learn and improve your golf swing. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But today, I want to talk about, and you mentioned this a lot, about how to play different lies during the course of a round. Uh, you frequently will say that pros look at the lie first and then determine the shot. And this is something that amateurs are not so good at. And we want to help them improve the game. So uh, share a little bit more about looking at the lies and, and where, where should golfers start and how it can really, really lower their scores. Well, you're absolutely right, and it's a big topic, and, and as you said, we have to kind of keep talking about this until people really get it. So what you really want me to talk about is the truth about lies, as we say. So the truth really is that the first thing in club selection, um, what most amateurs look at is the distance. They get their range finder out and say, how far do I have to go, and then they choose the club for that reason. The... Um, the more experienced golfer, we'll put it that way, first looks at the lie of the golf ball, and that's how it sits in the grass, meaning is it a tight lie? And people say, what do you mean by tight lie? And I say, well, it's the difference between sitting on a hard bar stool and sitting on your couch. Love <laughs> you it. So you get the idea that you either have some cushion underneath it or you don't. If it's a tight lie, even though you may have to go um, a very substantial distance, you may want to choose a club that has much more loft on it so that you can get the golf ball airborne. People tend to say they come back to me in taking lessons and they go, I'm chopping the ball. I say, well, what club? In the fairway. They go, that's my fairway shot's the hardest. And I say, well, what club are you hitting? They go, well, my three would because that should go the farthest. I'm saying that's a club maybe sometimes you should hit in the rough when you have more cushion under your lie if the ball's sitting up in, in the rough. So... Again, I really want people to take a look at sometimes put two golf balls side by side on, on the fairway and kind of push one down a little tighter and just see how much of the golf ball uh, you can see or you can't see. So really want to then, if you can't see much of the golf ball, you've really got to um, uh, choose a club that's got more loft. You may even have to choose like a 7, 8, 9 iron just to get, to get the golf ball airborne reasonably well because you're going to get more distance and feel better rather than topping that three wood in the fairway. Yeah, and, and this is so key, course management, especially as we watch the pros. They're, they're going to hit the shot that's going to you know, get them in play for the next shot, okay? And, you know, whereas I would say too many times amateurs are trying to hit the career shot, you know, especially in a place where they shouldn't even be going there because they've got a very difficult a lie or shot to make. 
Oh, you're absolutely right. Uh, oftentimes I hear people say, I said, well, what's your target? And they go, well, they're standing on the tee, and they go, well, the flag. And I go, no, that's your final destination, but that's definitely not your target. So what you really need to think about in your course management is where you need to be approaching the green from. So not so that you try to have your shots so that they're not being your shot to the green that you're not having to hit over a bunker. Um, uh, you want to be hitting you know the opening to the to the hole. So if you watch how a hole the course designers have laid it out, they're actually telling you kind of how the freeway goes. And your most important shot is, that you want to plan for is that one to the green. And so I often talk about that your target needs to be like you're sailing. So you want to feel like you're kind of tacking, if you can, and manage your shots of how to get to the green. I love that. Great, great visual. So let's start uh, Let's start from the tee box. Let's take a par five in our minds. You know, this gives us a little bit of a chance to freewheel it when we are on the tee. And so I've given it a good crank, and oh, well, like many of us, a little bit of slice in that ball, okay, and we're in the rough. Now what? Okay, so you're in the rough. So I always say, you know, the par in a hole is basically what par tells you is how long a hole should be. So for most people, the USGA says that the par 5 means the hole is not going to be much longer than 500 yards. So I always talk about it as make your personal par. Maybe if you want to do one over, then if you take the total yardage and divide that by four big shots to get you to the green, then if you've hit one in the rough, you say, well, now I still have 250 yards left to go, but you can divide that into three different types of shots. So you want to get it back in the fairway as often as you can. And so you have to pick out a target that might be across the fairway again. So you want to sometimes, as, as NPR always says, you want to do the numbers. So if I hit it in the rough, like I just said, I take my total yardage and say, how many shots should it take me to still get to the green? And then I divide that yardage in half and go, if I have 250 left, I may go, well, I'll just hit it 125 or 125. So it's managing those shots and your distances better considering where you are on the golf course. I used to play a lot of golf with uh, just a terrific uh, former golf reporter from uh, from the Boston Herald, Jack O'Leary. And whenever Jack would flub a, a second shot, he'd go, well, I guess that was my wedge shot. And I really took that to heart, though, because he would just, like, put it out of his mind. Like, that was just, you know, he just used up that shot. And then, you know, he'd, he'd hit the next one, and it would be a bullet and right right on the target. Well, you're absolutely right. Oftentimes people really, you know, they hit a bad shot, and they think that the hole's over with. So that's why I always talk about setting your personal powers like he did and saying, okay, how many shots should it take me to get to the green? So amateurs typically, if they hit a bad shot, they follow it by one or two more bad shots. But what you want to do is get it back in play, and then get to the green, and if you have to cut your losses, and at most have your personal bogey, but try to avoid those doubles or triples or quads is really what you want to do. I think but, we go ahead. I think we see that a lot with uh, you know the pros because at times we you know we just a good example uh, Cameron Smith at the Players Championship coming down the 18th hole on Monday. It was a Monday finish a few weeks ago. 
and as uh, you know, has been viewed many, many times, he hit his tee shot into the woods. It's it's a difficult shot, he said, especially for him, because uh, it just doesn't line up for his eye very well. And uh, then he hits a nice little punch shot out of the pine straw, but ooh, guess what? Hit it a little too pure, had a little too much velocity, and ended up in the water. Cam walks up. Drops it. Now, of course, it was an all-world pitch shot uh, into the green. But, hey, he is a professional. There was a lot on the line. You know, a huge purse and a great payday and many good things for him to come. How does average Joe react in that moment? Oh, I'm, you know, I've been with guys that probably, you know, breaking a club. Going, I can't believe I hit that. I can't believe I did that. Well, you're exactly right. People have this emotion that they get too upset. So he, he kept his cool, and you want to keep your manage your, your, your managing your emotions. But the average person, let's say, if they had hit it in the water like he did, then they try to hit that miraculous shot like he did. But now he's been practicing that most of his life. The average person needs to say, I just need to hit it on the green. The green should be your target, not the hole. So too often people try to make this miraculous shot, and then they – Miss hit it and they hit it in the bunker and et cetera, et cetera. So I always say your first target is the green. Get it in the center of the green, and then you can always two putt from there, and then you can get the heck out of dodge. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that a lot. Let's talk about lies coming into the green pitch shots. Uh, tight lie, uh, rough. What? Which? You know, I think so many times people get into uh, a swirl. Do I pitch and run it? You know. Chip it, flop it, give us give us some ABCs on that, Kay. You're absolutely right. The flop shot should be the one that you maybe use one in 2,000 times at the best. But it has to do with, again, the lie of the golf ball. People try to think what a flop shot is, but really um, it's not. it shouldn't be your go-to or your, vanilla, as I call it, the vanilla shot. The tighter the lie, the little bit farther back in your stance you want to play it, and your hand should be a little bit more forward, which is going to create more of a running shot, which then makes your landing spot a little bit closer to you because you're going to create more run. But it's the safest shot there is, and you want to keep the club head kind of in an arc that's as low to the ground as you can because when you do that, when you have your hands forward and the, the ball's a little farther back in your stance, the leading edge of the club stays flush to the ground or... Um, you hit it, uh, you'll hit it cleaner and you won't skull it. So that's, and around the green. Now, if you have a fluffy lie, I'll just go to that real quick. You also maybe want to just feel like the ball's sitting on a tee and you want to then just sweep the top of the grass so that you can still do the same type of shot. But you have to be careful in a fluffy lie that you don't scoop underneath it. So if your hands all of a sudden flip at impact, that's going to create the ball that's going to go absolutely nowhere and you don't have enough run. Uh, a common shot that occurs, I think, for a lot of players, you're you're in the rough, you got to carry a bunker, you got about a 30-yard shot. What do I do? Well, again, I'm going to say you want to play it, you know, back a little bit more in your stance, and then you, you want to make for sure. Again, people try to get it too close to the pin. If the if the pin is cut very close, I'm always going to say let's first get it on the green. And then we can two-putt from there. So people always try to go at the flag. So, again, it's about getting it on the green. You maybe want to take a little larger swing than you think. 
um, and you want to make a smoother swing. People kind of tend to chop at the ball and then stop. And so make sure that your hands go through and your hands don't stop and flip. Well, many of us carry multiple wedges now, right? Lob wedge, attack wedge, normal wedge, sand wedge. Uh, a question of feel. It, would you say in those situations to go with, you know, the club you trust, or do you have a rule of thumb? Well, I would go with the club you trust that you know how much run you're going to get. But most people will take a, a wedge that has a sand wedge or a 60-degree wedge, and if it's a tight lie, it's got too much bounce or sole on the bottom, and you, you really will have a tendency to scull it then. So sometimes you might have to take something that doesn't have as much bounce or sole as a thicker sole, and that will make it a safer shot. If you're in the fairway. If you're in the fairway. If you're in the rough and you've got nice cushy lie, take that sand wedge and, and, and take a pretty good uh, swing at it um, where you, you actually will create some more height and not as much run. Because coming out of the rough, the ball will also run a little bit more, too, which people don't realize. The ball's not going to stop. So, mm -hmm. All right, and then the other spot we get ourselves into with a variety of different kinds of lies and, and shot selection, the fringe, the, the evil fringe around the green, whether it's, you know, first cut or second cut. Uh, you know, a lot of pros now have gone to using a little hybrid wood just to give it a little bit of acceleration coming out of there. Uh, I've always been somebody to say, use a flat stick if you can. Um, what's your go-to? Well, I think the little the bump and run, which people should practice with their hybrid, is absolutely perfect because it's got a flatter sole, so you're not going to have to worry about the bounce. It gives it that little hop over the fringe, and then it'll react like a putt. So they also may want to stand it up a little taller so that um, it's not as flat alive and choke down on the club. So I kind of like that. Uh, the putter is always good, um, and then, again, the, the little hybrid, is, I think, is a, is a very good shot. So, But people need to practice that a little bit around the green so they get the idea of what they need to do. So those are both good. Any uh, quick little uh, practice tip you would give, Kay, for uh, working on our, uh, on our tight lies and fluffy lies? Yeah, we, I used to do a, a drill called good lie, bad lie, medium lie, like good cop, bad cop. So you put down three balls around the green when you're practicing, and you do a bad lie, a medium lie, and a very fluffy lie. And then you, you hit the same shot, and you, lo you look and you observe what you get. So that pretty soon you're out there, you, you know which club to use or what you have to do. So it's a group practice, you know, good lie, bad lie, medium lie. I love it. And probably most important, I would imagine you, say, you would say, spend time on mindful practice, not mindless practice. You always want to have a purpose to your practice. So, again, I call it the, the good light, bad light situation is kind of like biology lab. Just go do it and see what you get and observe what you get, and then you know what's your best go-to shot. Awesome. Okay, I know um, you're going to be here another month in beautiful central Florida. Uh, what uh, workshops do you have coming up? Well, we've got some personal workshops coming up, and I'm going to be starting our Q&A again on, uh, on Fridays. And we're probably just going to change the time frame. So if people want to get information on what we're doing, please go to my website, Education Golf, but that's spelled E-D-U-K-A-Y, of course, T-I-O-N golf.com. 
And I look forward to it. And they can contact me there. They can email me. And I look forward to meeting a lot more new people. So we've got um, things we are also doing online. So you can be anywhere in the United States, globally, and we can do online lessons. She's one of the best in the business. Not only an LPGA member, but a PGA member, rarefied air. Kay McMahon, always a pleasure to have you on the show. I always appreciate the, the invitation and the privilege. Thank you.